Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, President of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.sebts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Let me extend my uh, greetings to all of you this morning as well and say how glad we are to have you on the campus of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. It is a wonderful day of worship and also celebration uh, as these graduates have completed uh, a rigorous course of study and uh, now move on into areas of ministry and service to which God uh, has called them. It is a great day. And a day I know that all of you have looked forward to celebrating with them. You come to God's Word, there are many one-verses scriptures, one-verse scriptures in the Bible that uh, are a blessing, that have insight, uh, that many of you would recall quite quickly if I were to say, here's the text, what does it say? For example, the Bible begins very powerfully with a one-verse affirmation, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and everything in the rest of Scripture moves from that verse. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, you have the heart of the faith of the nation of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, of course, many of us have been comforted by that first verse of the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And perhaps the most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then we move to a verse like Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Philippians 1.21, one of my life verses, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then in chapter 2, verse 5, a verse that haunts me continually, but in a good way, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But there's another one-verse scripture this morning that I want to share with you, both in terms of a challenge to our graduates, but also in terms of a challenge to all of us. It's a verse that teaches us that in Jesus, all things can be made new. That verse is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, and it simply says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Just unfolding that verse for a few moments reveals a world of of biblical truth that indeed should inspire and excite us. In fact, it is indeed at the very heart of the gospel that 2 Corinthians 5.17 points. If anyone, any man, uh, any woman, any boy, any girl... It's uh, all-inclusive and and universal. If anyone of the 6.8 billion people on the planet are in Christ, they're a new creation. If anyone of the 16,000, 
500 plus people groups are in Christ. They are a new creation. If any one of you here today is in Christ, the Bible promises you are a new creation. In many ways, this opening phrase has the ring of John 3.16 again, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, there is no one excluded from the invitation to receive God's Son as Savior. There's no one excluded from this invitation to be in Christ, if anyone. That includes me. That includes you. It happened in my life as a 10-year-old uh, boy. Uh, it was after church on Sunday night. We had come home from the Ben Hill Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. I had on the inside of me a weight uh, that I'd never felt anything like that before in all of my life. And as I came home that evening, I could, uh, uh, my parents could tell that I was being uh, troubled by something. And so my mother, who was one of the most godly persons I've ever known in all of my life, said, Honey, what's, what's bothering you? And I said, Mama, uh, Dad, I, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that Jesus loves me and that he died for me. And I just want to invite him into my life to be my, my Lord and my Savior. And that night, as a 10-year-old little, uh, little boy, uh, I was saved. I was converted. I became a, a new creation in Christ. Uh, that can happen to a little boy. That can happen to a teenager. It could even happen to one of you that's here today that, for whatever reason, have never come to Christ, no matter what your age no matter what your background, no matter where you've been or what you've done, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, in Christ is the place of hope. In Christ is the place where there can be a new beginning. In Christ kind of leads us to a, a theological issue that is sometimes called by, by those who do theology the, the scandal of particularity. Say, so what in the world does that mean, Danny? It simply means this. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. If you're not in Christ, you're not. Uh, if you're in Christ, you have a relationship with God. If you're not in Christ, you don't. Recently, there was a lot of uh, media attention given to the fact that Franklin Graham was disinvited to speak on the National Day of Prayer at the Pentagon because he dare say to the world... There's only one Savior, and His name is Jesus. He dared to say that He finds no hope in Hinduism. He finds no salvation in Buddhism. There is no hope for the Muslim. The hope of the world is found in Christ. And the fact of the matter is, if that is not true, then all of you guys have wasted a number of years of your life. should have never come here. You should have never paid the price you paid in terms of study if it is indeed possible for other ways to lead to heaven. In fact, as many would want to say today, all roads lead to heaven. And again, if all roads lead to heaven, then why in the world did God sacrifice his son? No, it may not be popular, but we stand with Jesus who said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. 
We stand with Peter who said there's no other name given under heaven by which men may be saved. We stand with Paul who says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That's why we share the gospel. That's why some of you will leave here and go to some very hard, difficult, even dangerous places. Because they must hear. And unless they hear, they cannot be saved. No, if any man be in Christ, what? He is a new creation. I love that phrase. All of us in our lives at different times have wished, you know, I I sure would like a fresh start. I sure would like a new beginning. I sure would like another chance. Well, the fact of the matter is there is a place where that can happen, and it is in Christ. In Christ, a new creation. It is a reality. And not only is it a reality, it is an eternal reality. When you are in Christ, you are a new creation now and forever. It's a true new creation. It is a genuine new creation. It is a spiritual union that changes everything. You move from being lost to now being found. You move from being a dead sinner to a child of God. You move from having no hope for eternal life to having eternal hope. You move from heaven to hell. You move from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive forever. That's good news. That's a great gospel. And that, again, is why these young men and these young women have come here and they have toiled and they have sacrificed and they have worked hard because they have within them a compulsion to share the good news of the possibility for a world to know a new creation found in Jesus. Well, if we are a new creation in Christ, Paul continues, old things have passed away. And Dr. Black and the others in the New Testament department would be quick to point out. He uses a perfect tense verb, indicating that these things have passed away and they're not coming back. They passed away in the past at the moment that you trusted Christ and they're never coming back. Those old things are now gone. You are new in Jesus. You stand before God and your sinful past has been wiped clean. And so you are now this new creation. These old things have passed away. And Paul, in the context of this passage, tells us what some of these new things are like and some of these old things passing away mean. For example, he says in verse 14, now that I am new in Christ, the love of Christ compels or constrains me. Now, again, you have to ask the question, is he talking about my love for Christ or Christ's love for me? And I believe it's the latter. Yesterday, as I shared with you all, I celebrated uh, my 32nd wedding anniversary. And I can say to you and to this entire audience this, this morning that for 32 years, I have been faithful to my wife, Charlotte. Now, I have been faithful indeed because I love her. But you know what? I've also been faithful to her because I know she loves me. And her love compels me. Her love constrains me. Her love provides, if you like, parameters that determine how I, how I live my life. And in the same way, the Bible says the love of Jesus, the love he has for you, is now part of this new creation that will constrain you, that will compel you, 
that will guide you, that indeed it will sustain you. He says in verse 15, I no longer live for myself, I now live for him. In other words, you've been removed from the throne and now Jesus is there. And Jesus is the guide, Jesus is the president, Jesus is the commander-in-chief. And in recent days, I've been talking to a lot of my friends and even some of you about where am I supposed to go serve? What am I supposed to be doing? And when everything is said and done, we're simply to go and we're simply to serve where our commander-in-chief sends us. It's really not up for a vote, is it? It's not where I kind of negotiate with the commander-in-chief. It doesn't work that way in the U.S. military, at least it shouldn't. It doesn't work that way in God's army. God says go, and we simply say, yes, sir. And we trust that his purpose and his plan is abs- may not be safe, but is absolutely best for our lives. And so Paul says, if anyone... That includes all of us. He is in a particular place. Christ. A wonderful thing happens. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. A new love that Christ has for me that inspires me. A, a new priority. I don't live for myself, but I now live for him inspires me. A new perspective that now says, I don't judge any man according to the flesh. Verse 16 says this, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. External distinctions are washed away. Red, yellow, black, white, brown, poor or rich. We love them all. We minister to them all. We want all of them to become a part of the family of God. It is still a truism that the church is one of the most segregated places on the planet. We can integrate the military and the world of athletics, but we still struggle, do we not, to integrate the body of Christ. But I want to tell you something. You inspire me and encourage me. I see a different passion. I see a different perspective. I see those in our graduates year after year after year who long to see the church that's on earth look like the church will someday in heaven. There are no segregated subdivisions in heaven. We're all together, every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation, all for his glory. And in this wonderful text, Paul then connects all of this to what he calls the message of reconciliation And the ministry of reconciliation, which is where the application comes for you all today. This glorious message of reconciliation, this glorious message of the new creation is what God has given to you specifically and particularly. Where that is going to be lived out, that is up to him. How long you will be engaged in that, that is up to him. For some of you, it may be that you're like a Jim Elliott or a Bill Wallace whose life is cut short in terms of your service for Christ, but God will be glorified in your ministry and even perhaps in your death. For others, it may be that God gives you a lifetime of decade after decade after decade so that you finish the course well in your 70s or 80s. Whatever it is, 
May it indeed be that you're a faithful minister of reconciliation, preaching that message of reconciliation. I would be derelict in my responsibilities this morning if I did not quickly connect what Paul says about that new creation to how that takes place in verse 21 of this text where he simply says this, speaking of Jesus and speaking of the Father, He, the Heavenly Father, made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. If your theological professors did their job, they mentioned to you or they taught you that sometimes this is called the great transaction. God gave Jesus what is ours, our sin. And God gave us what is Jesus's, His righteousness. What a deal. What a deal. That God would take all of my sin and put it on His Son. And then take His Son's righteousness and impart that to me so that now today I stand before Him in complete, total righteousness because of what His Son has done on my behalf. What a great gospel. What a great message. And what a great ministry. You allow that to be the heartbeat of your life, day in and day out, you will serve well and you will finish well for the glory of God. And that is my prayer for every one of you. But this morning, there are some of you that are here. The fact of the matter is, you're not in Christ. You've come today because you love dearly these graduates. There's one in particular that... Uh, you care for deeply, and so you're here to celebrate their graduation. But the fact of the matter is, you've never trusted Christ. Today you're lost. If you were to die today, unfortunately, hell would be your eternal place of confinement. Yesterday, we prayed for you. We prayed for you. In fact, I asked these graduates this question. If you knew that on Friday morning that your mother, your dad, your brother or sister, an aunt or uncle, a dear friend, would come to Christ, but the price would be that when the graduation ceremony takes place, you leave your diploma up here on this table and you never pick it up and you never take it home, would you be willing to leave that behind to see them saved? And every single graduate said, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd walk past it and not give it a second thought if I knew that on Friday morning, my dad, my mom, my brother, my sister, my friend came to know Jesus as Savior. You see, that message compels these young men and women, to do what they do and to go where they're going to go. Is that message that changed their lives? Is that message that they would long to see change your life today as well? I want us to bow our heads for just a moment and enter into a moment of prayer. And this morning, I want to simply ask you this question. Do you know this morning, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, that you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. And if you have not, 
then this morning, right now, I know you didn't come this morning expecting this. But God has taken his word and he is speaking to your heart. And this morning you now would say to God, I want to know you. I want you in my life. I want to trust what Jesus did for me when he died on that cross. And so I'm going to simply lead in what we call a sinner's prayer. If you would pray this prayer from your heart. Not the words that are important, it's the condition of your heart. I can promise you on the authority of God's word, he will hear your prayer and he will save you this morning because the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if this morning you feel God speaking to your heart and you want to be saved, then just pray this prayer in your heart to the Lord with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you love me and that you proved it by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and that you raised him from the dead. I know that I am a sinner. I've done many things wrong. And I know that I cannot save myself. I thank you that Jesus took my sin And today offers me his righteousness. I turn from my sin. I put my faith completely and totally in Jesus. Make me a new creation. Make me your child. May I become one who tells others what Jesus has done for me. I ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We covet your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.